I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn back to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 5, this morning in your Bibles, Mark chapter 5. God's been doing some very uh, special things at Calvary the last little bit, for which we're very, very thankful. We're thankful for the souls that are being saved. We're thankful for the converts that have been baptized and for the decisions that have been made. Man, what a conference we had. What a family conference. Every night was powerful. Music was, uh, music was fantastic. The preaching was great. We received the word every night. It's just been really, really, it's been, it's been a blessing. Last Sunday morning, just in case there are a few folks that weren't in that service last Sunday morning, we started a message called Breaking the Cycle. And uh, here again, God moved in a very special way last Sunday morning. And, uh, and I felt like probably it was, you know, just time to stop and just give the invitation. And, and, I, and I, think that was, I think that was the right move. I, I, think that was, uh, I think it was of the Lord. How many know that God has a perfect plan? God has a perfect plan. The other day, I didn't get to preach a message. I was going to, boy, I came in here. I was going to preach a certain message, and God didn't let me preach that message uh, until the week after that. I had somebody came up to me that next week, and just as kind as they could be, and they said, Preacher, I'm the reason you didn't get to preach that message, and God wanted you to wait and preach that message for me. And, uh, and so uh, I had an, uh, several folks who came and said, Preacher, you know, Please finish that message from last Sunday morning. And I'm going to be honest, I was, already, I was already sort of heading that direction anyway because we only covered two points, and I had five. Uh, and the other three points were so important. They were so important that uh, I felt like, and, and, and sometimes, and you preachers know what I'm talking about, sometimes when you don't get to finish a message, you don't necessarily feel the importance of going back to finish it. It was sort of done. You were done. But this message is not that way. I, I, I don't think that God was completely done. And so we're going to try to finish this. So this, so this is part two, breaking the cycle part two today. Um, and then last Sunday, last Sunday morning, wow, it was just in the glory, you know. It was, it was that kind of a service, and it was that kind of, of, of the part of the message where we were just, it was one of those kind of messages that just encouraged and made you want to worship, and, and, and I hope today we'll do that as well. But I'll be honest with you, today's going to be a little different. Today's going to be a little bit more, um, well, anyway, I don't, know, I don't know what the word is, but um, helpful. I think it'll be helpful. Frank, sort of blunt, maybe, um, where we need to be. And so Mark chapter 5 in your Bibles, let's all stand if you're able Mark chapter 5, we're going to read the first 20 verses. I'll read them quickly, and you can follow along with me because I want you to get the whole context of what's going on. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, talking about the Lord Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, 
Thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. In other words, there were many devils in this man, not just one. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid and they that saw it, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. Verse 17, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. You ever wondered about that? After such a great miracle has just been done, doesn't it seem like the natural response would be, Lord, stay. Lord, do it again. Lord, keep it up. But that's not what happened. The Bible says that they, they begin to pray him to depart out of their coast. Leave, leave us. We don't want you to stay. Verse 18, when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. I, I, want, I want to go with you, Lord. I want to minister with you and the disciples. Verse 19, howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and have had compassion on thee. And he talking about that demoniac, he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Wow, what a story. By the way, we're not done with Mark chapter five. We're gonna be back there again. I can't wait to show you something God showed me this week. It's amazing. It's incredible. But anyway, We'll get there later, all right? I want to talk to you about that subject, breaking the cycle. Let's all, you may be seated this morning, and let's pray and ask the Lord to help us, and, and it, it'll sound like a little bit of review, a little bit, not much, because most of this is all fresh today, even the introduction. But uh, let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we thank you for your blessings, and thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary again today. God in heaven, I need your help. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. God, I pray that we would see no man save Jesus only today. Lord, it is he that is high and lifted up. It is he that can help. It's he that can break the chains. There's not a pastor that's living that can break a chain. There's not a preacher alive or an evangelist anywhere that can, can stop the cycle of destruction but I know a man who can, and his name is Jesus. Father, I pray you'd breathe on us today. Whether we know it or not, we need it. We need your touch, we need your help, we need your anointing. We need your help in our families, in our homes, in our marriages, in our individual lives, in our child rearing, in our jobs, in our businesses. 
God, we need you to go with us every step, every breath. We can't afford to take a breath without you or a step without you. We can't afford to live a day without you. And so Lord, I pray today that you would, I pray that you'd help us. Breathe upon us, I pray, Father. We pray for a very fresh anointing. And we pray that Christ would receive glory and praise from all that's done. And Lord, I pray that you'd save that one that's nearest hell today. Break some chains, Lord, today. I pray you'd do it. We love you and praise you. And we ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. In Mark chapter number five, we read of a man who is literally under the control of demonic forces. He's bound with the powers of darkness. But as I said last Sunday morning, he's equally, equally bound with a continuously destructive cycle. In fact, I want to draw your attention once again back to a few of these verses and we'll preach this quickly because I'm still going to have a tough time getting through this message today because I've got a, a lot of content that I want to give you in just a little bit of time. Look, if you will, at verse number three. The Bible says in verse number three about this demoniac who had his dwelling, notice there, who had his dwelling among the tombs. His dwelling. It implies a settling in. In other words, in other words this is something that didn't happen last night. This is something that's been ongoing for a while. He, uh, he has settled into this place among the tombs. That's where he's living. That's where he finds his shelter, uh, among the graveyard, among the, uh, among the tombstones. Verse four, interesting verse, verse four, the Bible says, because that he had been, notice the two words, often bound, often bound. Again, it, there's that implication again. He's been often bound, not once, not twice. This has happened many times through the months or maybe even the years. He's been often bound with fetters and chains. And then, man, I noticed this this morning. I mean, I mean I'm talking right over here in the study this morning. I was just reading over the scripture before we came out to fellowship a little bit and, and God showed me this. Verse four, because it had been often bound with fetters and chains. Notice the next part. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Now, I understand how fetters could be broken. Maybe these fetters were wooden or maybe these fetters were made out of some type of skins or something like that. And I understand how the fetters could be broken. But the Bible says, and the chains had been plucked asunder. It literally means this. It, the word plucked asunder, it means to sever or dismember. Now you read into that what, what you want to read into it, but evidently this man had been chained and in some fashion he had severed the chains or maybe even dismembered himself to get free from these chains. It's the idea of being pulled loose. And so get the picture here. Here's this man and one of the other gospels tells us that he's running around naked. He, he, he doesn't have any, any clothes on. He's cutting himself. We'll get into that in just a moment. And so he has broken the fetters, but he has severed the chains. And so these chains, if you will, are literally hanging off of his body. Man, get the picture. Here's this maniac that is running around the countryside in Gadara here, and he's bleeding, and he's naked, and he's a wild man. He is a maniac, and these chains are literally having been plucked asunder, they are dangling from his body. Verse five, 
And the Bible says, and always. There again, there's that idea again. Often bound and always, always night and day. He's in the mountains and in the tombs. And then notice these words, crying and cutting, crying. There's that, again, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be redundant. I don't mean to be over, you know, repetitive here today. But uh, again, I think, I think the Bible's trying to paint us a picture here. And the picture is this, that it's over and over and over. This is a continual thing. He is, he's crying and he's cutting himself with stones. All these terms imply an ongoing process. By the way, these words are symptomatic of what people do when they can't seem to break the cycle of bondage. What do you mean, preacher? They cry a lot at times. Sometimes every day, when they can't seem to get out of that cycle, they can't seem to break the chain. Uh, one of the symptoms is, is that is they, they cry. They cry in the day. They cry in the night. They wet their pillows, uh, their pillow with tears. Uh, anxiety disorders, or what we would call depression, affects 40 million Americans every year. In fact, 18.1% of all of the American population are suffering from depression. We've got a problem, church. That's why it's so important that we come to the house of the Lord. That's why it's important we, we're reminded of the blood. That's why it's important that, uh, that, we're, that we're reminded that we're on the winning side, that we've got the victory, that you don't have to be discouraged and you don't have to be depressed because, boy, I'm glad I know a man who can. He can set you free. And sometimes they cry and sometimes they, sometimes they begin to hurt themselves. The Bible says they're cutting himself, not only crying, but cutting himself. 15% of teenagers in America report some form of self-injury or self-mutilation. We have teenagers today that are cutting themselves, that are burning themselves. I, I was reading up on that this week. Not only cutting themselves, mutilating their bodies, burning their skin, but also something called headbanging. Now, we make, we make sort of jokes about that, but that's not a joke. And these kids are literally, they're literally banging their heads until it causes serious issues with their body. Studies show an even higher risk for self-injury among college students with rates ranging from 17% to 35%. The point is this, when your life has turned into a continuous destructive cycle, you know what happens? It leaves you anxious and it leaves you discouraged. The Bible is definitely trying to teach us a truth here. And the truth is this, that outside of Jesus, when you get involved in one of these, these vicious cycles, and we'll get into some of the things that it could be here in just a little bit, but when you get involved in one of these vicious cycles, it doesn't bring happiness and it doesn't bring joy and it doesn't bring contentment and fulfillment in your life. It makes you anxious and it makes you discouraged. 
Now I know, I know. Uh, you know, I am the I'm the older guy now. I'm the I'm the the dinosaur in the room to some of these young people, and and I know that you just think that preachers supposed to say these kind of things. That preachers so sweet and bless his heart, and and I know he you know he's the preacher. He has to say stuff like this, and and uh, but you know preacher don't really he, he, he's not with it anymore. He's not with the with the younger generation anymore, and he doesn't doesn't know how it is, and doesn't understand how it is, and and I want to say very lovingly today, I may understand more than you think I understand. And I, I don't know everything. In fact, the more that you learn, the more you learn, you don't know. But I can tell you this, that outside of Jesus Christ, when you get hooked up with the devil and the devil begins to put you in these chains and the devil gets you bound in one of these cycles, I'm telling you, it is most certainly destructive and it will leave you depressed and it will leave you discouraged. Interesting story I heard this week. Hank Williams, one of the most famous country singers of all time, Hank Williams. In 1961, he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. In his autobiography, he is at the end of his life. By the way, the devil promises great things, but he's a liar. Hank Williams died at 29 years of age. Hank Williams is at the end of his life. Fame, he's got it. Prestige, more than you could ever know. Money, more than he can spend. He is famous all across America, all over the world. He's literally traveled all over the world. By the way, some of the things that they don't tell you. For instance, one of the things that they don't tell you is that Hank Williams had been pretty much uh, he had pretty much been banned from the Grand Ole Opry because he had become so independable. Hank Williams is in the back of a very, very long limousine. He has two what we would call ladies of the night one on each side of him in this very long limousine. They're all fairly intoxicated with alcohol and maybe other things, probably other things. And in the story, one of the women that was in the limousine with Hank Williams said this. She said, Hank, why are you so down? And then she said this. Besides, you're the one who sang, I saw the light. And Hank Williams with a beer in his hand said, yeah, but there just ain't no light. By the way, he died not long after that. You say, Pastor, what's, what, what's your point that you're trying to make? My point is this, that, that when you get on one of these cycles and if you allow the devil to get you in chains and if you allow the devil to, to put you in bondage, it's not gonna bring, it's not gonna, it may bring you prestige, it may bring you some fame, it may, may even bring you some money. It'll bring you plenty of friends as long as you've got all those things, but I'm gonna tell you something it won't bring. It won't bring joy and it won't bring happiness and it won't bring contentment and it won't bring fulfillment. Uh, and that's where this man is here in Mark chapter five. He is in a place where there is no light. We find some things in Mark chapter five, I believe, that help this man break the cycle. And I want to give you some of, some of them today. Now, we've already preached two of them, and I'll just hit these quickly, and we'll go to the, the last three. Number one, we noticed there was a life-altering experience. 
Now I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter five and I want you to turn to verse number 19 with me this morning. Mark chapter five, verse number 19. The Bible says in verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, here it is, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Did you know, Calvary, that you, you cannot expect to, the, the cycles to be stopped and the chains to be broken until you've invited Jesus Christ into your heart and life? Now, I know, I know people may, may say, well, you know what, preach, you just, you act like that's the fix-all. Well, let me tell you why I act like that, because that's the fix-all. That's why I act like that, because Jesus can fix what Alcoholics Anonymous can't. And Jesus can fix what NA can't. And Jesus can fix what a preacher can. And Jesus can fix what a medication can. And, and I'm just saying, if you're here this morning or you're watching my way of live stream and, and the devil has threw you a curveball and you swung at it and maybe you've struck out and, and you say, preacher, I can never be used again and God would never use me again. I'm glad I can come here today and tell you that, that the bondage can be broken, that the chains can be plucked asunder. But, one of the, but, but, but the only way that's gonna happen is if you have a life-altering experience and that life-altering experience must happen with Jesus Christ. Melvin Ernest Trotter was born on May the 16th, 1870. His dad was a bartender. And in his autobiography, Mel Trotter said that his dad drank as much as he sold. His dad was an alcoholic Later, when Mel got a little older, he began to work as a barber. And soon after that, he became an alcoholic himself. Mel Trotter was recorded as saying this, and I quote, I loathed the life I was living. I tried my level best, but it wasn't in me. Sometimes Mel Trotter, they say, would stay away for weeks at a time. He would leave his little wife at home and leave his home for weeks at a time uh, and being, being on a drunk. And, and, and they said that after being away for a considerable amount of time, he came home to find his two-year-old child had died. Mel Trotter felt like it was his fault. And because of that, he decided, I'm gonna end life. I'm gonna commit suicide. He hopped a train in January and went to a place called Chicago, Illinois. By the way, that is a cold place in January. Very cold. Some stories say, and I, I enjoyed reading his story this week, but some stories say that he sold his own shoes. Others say that he stole the shoes off of the dead baby of his own little, little baby out of the casket and sold those little shoes for one more drink. He gets off the train in Chicago, Illinois. By the way, now he is, he is barefooted in January in Chicago. He's homeless. He has nowhere to go. And he's heading down State Street in Chicago, Illinois. And some of our folks have been there. And he walks by a place called Pacific Garden Mission. You can go there today. They'll probably have gospel music playing on the outside. They did then. There's usually people on the outside of the mission that have a handful of gospel tracks and they're passing out gospel tracks and inviting folks to come in. They were then. 
And that night as Mel Trotter walked by Pacific Garden Mission, someone came to, to Mel and they said, sir, why don't you come in? We have heat, we have a warm meal. We'll take good care of you. And they nudged Mel Trotter to come into the Pacific Garden Mission that night. And that night after Mel Trotter ate a warm meal, he sat down and a fellow by the name of Harry Monroe gave a testimony. Harry Monroe, who was Harry Monroe? Harry Monroe him, himself was a drunkard at one point in his life, a gambler, a carouser. He was a part of the low life of Chicago and, uh, and Harry Monroe had been born again and, and God changed his life and, and he eventually became the superintendent of the Pacific Garden Mission and that night Harry Monroe gave a testimony and Mel Trotter sat out there in the audience and, and Harry Monroe told how, uh, how there is hope and how Jesus can change your life and how Jesus can dry you out. Oh yes, good neighbor. How Jesus can break the bonds and how Jesus can, uh, can break the chains and that night, that night, Mel Trotter was gloriously born again. He eventually started what was called the Grand Rapids Rescue Mission, where he served for 40 years. By the way, he started dozens, that's what they say, dozens of other rescue missions all across America. And they would reach alcoholics and drug addicts and prostitutes and the homeless. By the way, that ministry is still going on to this day. It's still going on to this very day. I didn't, I didn't, didn't even know this. I thought this would be interesting, especially Brother Brandon. After reading his story, Mel Trotter had a heart attack in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Now, you say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that Mel Trotter's life was changed. You know why? He had a life-altering experience. He met the master. <laughs> he met the savior. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, is there any hope for me? You better know there is. That's why you're here. By the way, did you know you're not here by accident? Did you know that God is a God of providence? Did you know that nothing happens by accident? You didn't just happen to happen in here. You didn't happen just to waltz in here. No, sir. God is a God of providence and sovereignty. And God orchestrated your steps. Yes. And helped you to be here. Why? Because God has a truth that he wants you to hear. And the truth is this. There's hope. There's hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, how can those bonds be broken? Number one, we noticed there was a life-altering uh, experience. Number two, we noticed there was an abundance of worship. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Now, I'm not gonna stay here. But I wanna repeat something that I said last Sunday, and that's this. Don't expect to break the destructive cycles of your life if you're not devoted to public worship. You say, preacher, does every Christian have to attend church to be a good Christian? Pretty much. Unless you're just absolutely providentially hindered and you can't walk or you can't physically get here, you need to be here. You need to be a part of public worship. Now, let me tell you how important worship is to the Lord. Did you know that worship is so important to the Lord that he told us this, that we ought to start our prayers with worship? 
Matthew chapter six, verse number nine says it like this. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy. In other words, God is saying this. When you start your prayers, are don't start off with, with a request. Don't start off with a burden. But, but when you start your prayer, start off with some worship. Start off by saying, God, you're wonderful. God, you're holy. Listen, have you ever done this? Have you ever had to call, have you ever had to call a business or something and you got one of these automated uh, voice, you know what I'm talking about? And it said, press one to do this, press two to do this. And so you, you, you press the number. And then when you press that number, it said, now press five for this, press six for this. And then you hit that and then it took you to something else. If you want so-and-so, press this. If you want so-and-so, press that. Did you know that God is giving us a direct extension to him? God is saying, if you want to bypass all the automation, if you want to come directly into my presence, if you want to call my hotline, yes, sir. He said, when you come to prayer, be sure you come with some worship and say, oh, God, you're wonderful. And yes, God, I've got some needs and I've got some burdens. But before I get there, I just want to praise you. And I want to tell you how great you are. I want to tell you how high lifted up you are. I want to thank you for your mercy and your grace and, and your goodness and your kindness and your, and your generosity. God, I want to thank you for your protection. I want to thank you, Lord, for your perseverance. Lord, I want to thank you that you're precious. I mean, take some time and worship him. He's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. How important is worship, preacher? Worship is so important that God said, I want you to start your prayers with worship. Worship is so important that we are to worship only God. Matthew 4.10, Jesus said it like this, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. How important is worship, preacher? It's so important that heaven will be an environment of worship. You'll be surrounded by worship in heaven. That's why I said a while ago, this is heaven practice. Calvary, you better get with practice. Better get with it. You'll say, preacher, I'm just not much of a worshiper. Okay, well, that's why you're here. There's, st there's still time. I'm just, I'm just not, I don't worship. Oh, well, friend, you better hold on tight. So I'm telling us, when we get to heaven, it's gonna be an environment of worship. Every you turn, people are gonna be worshiping the lamb, worshiping God. I mean, you're gonna feel it, you're gonna experience it. It's gonna be all around you. And so someone says, Pastor, how is this man? How, how, how were the chains broken? Number one, there was a life-altering experience. Number two, there was an abundance of worship. Thankfully, we're just rubbing it in at Calvary Baptist Church. That's where we stopped last Sunday because it got so good. Those are some positives. If there's a negative, I don't think this is a negative, but if there's a negative to the message, I want to give it to you next. You say, preacher, how was this man's life changed? Not only was there a life-altering experience and abundance of worship, but watch this one. There was an absence of demonic activity. Everybody hang on tight. We're liable to hit a little turbulence here in just a moment. So the pilot is officially putting on the buckle of your seatbelt sign. Amen. You say, pastor, Sunday morning. I know it's Sunday morning. But a lot of these things ought to be preached on a Sunday morning. Now you're in Mark chapter five. I want you to look with me, please, at verse number nine. Mark chapter five, verse number nine. 
The Bible says, and he asked him, the Lord, talking about the Lord, and he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, talking about the demon, answered, saying, my name is Legion. For we are many. In other words, he didn't have just one devil. He had many devils. Verse 10, and he besought him much. Well, this is interesting, Calvary. Now listen, if you don't get anything else, just pay attention to the scripture. And he besought him much, the demon did, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Verse 11, now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Verse 12, verse 12, and all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Uh, uh, they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. You gotta ask yourself a question. Why are these devils so passionate about going into a bunch of pigs? So here they are taking residence in the life of this, uh, in the body of this man and, and, and they know, they know the Lord is getting ready to cast them out. They know that's gonna happen because that's what he does. By the way, he has the power to do it. They also know that. And so they know they're getting ready to be cast out. And, they, and, and then the Bible says, not just the one, not just the leader, but all the devils besought him saying, Lord, don't send us out of the country. Lord, send us into the swine. Lord, send us into the pigs. Lord, I know you're gonna cast us out, but send us into the pigs. You gotta ask yourself a question, why? Why are they so vehement about being put into these pigs. And this is the reason. These devils knew they were getting ready to be cast out. And that a great and noticeable miracle was in the process of happening. And because of this miracle, now think with me, because of this miracle, people are gonna be tempted to worship the Lord because of what he's done. And so devils will do anything to keep God from being worshiped. You say, Pastor, I'm not following you. Hang in there with me. Hang in there with me. And so Jesus cast them out of the man. They say, Lord, don't send us out of the country. Lord, we've got a plan. There's a bunch of hogs over here, dirty, smelly, nasty, messy hogs. Lord, send us into the swine. And the Bible says that Jesus gave them leave. By the way, did you know the devils don't have any power in your life except he gives them leave? You're protected unless he gives them leave. You say, why the pigs, preacher? They go into the pigs and notice this here, their goal, I believe this, their goal is this. Their goal is to take away the income from the people in this area by destroying their livelihood. There were at least 2,000 hogs. One scholar said this, that all these hogs are probably worth $200,000. And so they're thinking, we're gonna get cast out. Lord, send us into the swine. And when Jesus does that, notice what happens. Look, if you will, verse number, uh, verse number 13. 
And forthwith Jesus gave them believing the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And look at this. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And so they thought, you know what? If we can enter into these swine, we're willing to, if this will keep Jesus from being worshiped, we're willing to do anything we ought to do. And so they enter these swine, they make them go down to the water and they drown themselves. And they're thinking this, if we can do away with all these people income and their livelihood, definitely they'll hate the Lord. By the way, it sort of seemed to work. Would you look at verse number 16? The Bible says, and they saw it, and they that saw it told them how it befell to them that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine, verse 17, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Lord, leave. Why? You're not good for our economy. You just messed up our business. By the way, folks, you may hide two hogs. You don't hide 2,000. And this was most certainly some type of black market deal that was going on because hogs to this day are not popular in Israel. And they were definitely not popular in that day. And yet there's not a herd, there's a great herd, 2,000. And so they take, they, they, they take these people's livelihood away. Why? In hopes that these people will turn away from the Lord. Now, I said that to say this. Please understand something, that there is no limit to what Satan will do to keep you and I from worshiping God. There's no limit. You say, Pastor, these demons went to these hogs and then the hogs died and, 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 and if that's the case, they had to go somewhere else. That's exactly right. But they're willing to do what they have to do just to make sure that Christ does not receive any type of worship. Please understand something, Calvin. I hope I'm not confusing you today. Please understand something, that Satan is most certainly willing to do whatever he's got to do to keep you and to keep me from worshiping the Savior, anything. He'll do anything. He'll introduce you to the wrong kind of person. He'll bring the wrong kind of things into your life. If we're not careful, the devil will bring demonic things into our lives that will discourage us from God honoring worship. You say, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. Did you know this morning, church, Anything that encourages demonic activity in your home or your life, it's got to go. Yes. Now let's get down to where the, where the rubber meets the road. Anything that, that encourages demonic activity in your home or life must go. What do you mean, Pastor? How about this? How about demonic music? Yes. Demonic music. Music that mentions alcohol. Music that mentions drug use. Music that promotes immorality. Music that encourages disrespect. Music that uses perverted language. Music that encourages violence. I'm going to be honest with you. If you have to present Amen, good neighbor. I know you say, preacher, you preach like this. We'll never reach 10,000. We may never reach 10,000, but we're going to preach it straight as long as I can. If you've got to walk in a music store and present your license to buy a CD, it's not the right kind of CD. And parents, I love you to death. And we just came out of our family conference, but I don't want to tell you what. 
we have no business buying that kind of smut for our kids. And, and, uh, and, and, and a young person says, Mom, I can't, they won't let me buy it. Will you go buy it for me? You ought to rise up and you ought to get a rod in your back. And so I want to tell you one thing. Not only will I not buy that for you, but it won't be played in this house and it won't be played in the car. And if I find it in your CD player, I promise you this, it's going in the burn barrel. We'll not have that kind of thing in our home. Why? Because that kind of thing encourages demonic activity in your home. Demonic music. Not only demonic music, but since we're hitting them, we might as well just hit them all today. How about demonic movies? I'm talking about, I'm talking about Christian people that are bringing CDs and DVDs and Netflix and HBO and Send to the Max and Hell's Box Office and, uh, and all these other things in and we're, we're, we're sitting our families down and we're watching movies that are laced with profanity and we're watching movies that encourage immorality and we're watching movies that are filled with blasphemy and I, and I, I, I don't wanna, I wanna be sure I try to preach this in love. I do love you today, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. And I'm gonna be honest with you, Calvary. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how, I don't know how we can claim to know him and love him and, and yet we sit down and watch a movie that says Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus and, and take the name, the sweet name of the Lord in vain and oh my God here and oh my God there and, and use God's name as a preface to a curse word. You say, preacher, what do you, I'm saying, listen, we ought to get rid of those things. Why? Because they encourage, yes sir, they encourage demonic activity in our homes. Demonic practices. I'm talking about Ouija boards. You say, Pastor, it's just a game. Well, I, number one, I don't believe that. But number two, if it were, it's what it's connected to. It's what it represents. I don't want anything in my, I don't, true or not true, I don't want anything in my home that's connected with, with demon forces and the underworld Everybody doing all right? Everybody take a deep breath, all right? Everything's gonna be okay. We have smelling salt for everyone after the service tonight. I'm talking about horoscopes. You say, preacher, what are you? And I don't even know, I don't even know what they are. I wish, I, you know, I wish I could tell you. Capricorn, that's one, isn't it, Capricorn? You say, preacher, you. Are you a Capricorn or is, there a, is it an Aries? Is that right? Are you a Capricorn or an Aries? Let me tell you what I is. I is a child of God. That's what I am. I'm talking about horoscopes. I'm talking about psychic hotlines. I'm talking about seances. I'm talking about witchcraft. I'm talking about wizardry. None of these things have a place in the life of the child of God. That's all I'm saying. Uh, listen, if you're here this morning, please understand that I am, I am preaching this in love. But if, if some of the things that I mentioned this morning are in your home, here's what I would do. I'd go home today and I would, uh, uh, I, I would take inventory and I, I'd go through my cabinets and I'd go through my drawers and, and I'd say, this is going, this is going, this is going. You're not supposed to be here. I don't know what you're doing here. Uh, and brother, just start chunking stuff. And by the way, don't sell it. Don't sell it to anybody else. Man, just go out there and get your burn barrel all. I mean, just get it red hot and, and go out there and just chunk it all for the glory of God. Why? 
Why? Because that, that demonic activity has no place in the life of the child of God. But there's something else. Not only demonic music and demonic movies and demonic practices, but demonic substances. I'm talking about drugs and alcohol. Have no place in the life of the child of God. Now, please don't turn me off. If you've turned me off, would you, would you pray something like this right now? Holy Spirit, help me turn the preacher back on. I promise you I'm preaching this because I'll care about you. Alcohol and drugs have no place in the life or the home of the child of God. It is a proven fact that drugs and alcohol can open a door to a very real spiritual realm. By the way, a door that's supposed to remain closed. It's been probably at least a year or two ago. Well, it's been more than that because of COVID. It's been some time back. We were up here at the, uh, right up here at the shell or whatever it is now. And, uh, and there's a gentleman in the store. I've never seen the guy. He's never seen me. As far as I know, we've never crossed paths before. And we had some other folks from Calvary in the store and they uh, evidently were talking to him and they told him that I was the pastor. He ran up to me. I've never met the guy. He ran up to me and he said, they told me that you were the pastor. And I said, that's right. I'm, I'm Brother Pope, pastor down at Calvary Baptist Church. He said, I want to ask you something. I said, all right. He said, preacher, he said, here recently, he said, we led a little family. They're, they're down on their luck. They're having a hard time. And he said, we let this little family come to stay with us for a few weeks. And he said, Odd things are happening. He said, preacher, I'm just, listen, I'm just telling you, this man don't even know me. I don't know him. He would have no reason to come up to me. We didn't, know, we didn't even know we were going to be in the same gas station together. He would have no reason to come up and tell me an untruth. What, what could he purposely gain from it? He said, preacher, I, I, need you to, I need you to help me. He said the other night, he said, he said, this couple that we let move in with us, he said, they got this little girl. And he said, this little girl ran up to us and he said, she started talking, but it wasn't her voice. And he said, preacher, she wasn't moving her lips, but a voice was coming out. And he said, pastor, it wasn't, it wasn't the voice of a little girl. He said, she was, uh, she was talking and he said, it scared her. And by the way, he was visibly shaken. Y'all listen to me this morning. He was visibly shaken. He said, what do you think that is? I told him what I thought it was. I'll tell you what I think it was. It's demonic power. It's exactly what it is. We find it all throughout the word of God. And when you get involved in drugs and alcohol and all these things, let me tell you what happens. It opens a door. It cracks a door. A door that's supposed to be shut. A door that's supposed to be locked. It cracks open that door. Now, Stay with me now, stay with me. I don't want you just to take my opinion. I want to show it to you from the word of God. Now I want you to hold your place at Mark chapter five. We're going back there in just a moment, Lord willing. But I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter three. 
and, uh, and, and, and if nothing else, listen, let's see if we can help some of these young people. Uh, let's see if we can divert some of these young people away from making some of the mistakes that I'm talking about this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter number three and verse number 11. In your Bible, let me show you a remarkable verse. Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse number 11. Right around the book of Proverbs. If you find Proverbs, turn right and you'll find Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse number 11. If you find your place, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse number 11. The Bible says he, talking about the Lord, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Watch. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Did you know that God has placed certain boundaries upon the human mind? You know what the, you know what, you know what the experts tell us? They tell us we use about 10% of our brain capacity. 10%. And we've got this big brain up here. Some of us, anyway. We got this big brain, and yet we only use about 10%. And somebody says, Preacher, if God gave us this whole brain, why do we only use 10%? Can I tell you why? Because God said that's what's going to happen. He has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Naturally, naturally, you and I cannot see into the spiritual realm. Naturally. But they're here. I'm not trying to be spooky. This is not spooky. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You say, preacher, you fear these kind of forces. You fear demons and devils. Uh, I don't fear them. I respect them. But I don't have to fear them because I know that I have, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And so the Bible tells us that that naturally we cannot see into the spiritual realm, although if God opened your spiritual eyes right now, you know what you would see? You'd be amazed at what you'd see. A whole other realm here in this room around this property. A spiritual realm. Now God has closed that door. But by means of drugs and alcohol, the door is opened, at least to an extent. By the use of drugs, now listen to what I'm about to, say, what I'm about to tell you, young people, here, here, preacher out. By the use of drugs and alcohol, at times, a person is allowed to enter into the spiritual realm. But here's the scary part. And the spiritual realm is allowed to enter into them. Preacher, it was just an innocent party. We just smoked a little bit of crack. That's all we did. I've only tried meth once or twice. That's all, that's all we did. Let, let me tell you something. When you get involved in these kind of things, let me tell you what happens. It opens a door that's not supposed to be open. And when that door is cracked open, let me give, give the devil an inch. He'll take a mile. Now, just, just as sure as I'm here, there's somebody here today. You say, preacher, that's, a, that's the biggest bunch of junk I've ever heard in my life. 
I mean, I love you and everything, but preacher, I hope nobody listens to this message because that is bunk. That's all that is. Really? I thought there might be one or two who said that. So why don't we find out what God says about it? Would you take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to the book of Acts? Acts chapter number eight. Acts chapter number eight. And look, if you will, please, at verse number five. The Bible says that Philip, the evangelist, has went down to a place called Samaria. Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter eight. Man, oh man, where in the world did the time go? Great day. Acts chapter eight, verse number five. I'll do this quick. Acts chapter eight, verse number five. The Bible says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now look at verse seven. The Bible says, for unclean spirits crying with loud voice. Would you read the next four words with me? Ready? Came out of many. Unclean spirits, demons. Demonic spirits, devils, whatever you want to call them, came out of many that were possessed with them. There's a colon. Y'all see that colon? Would you read the next two words with me? Ready? And many. Taken with palsies, it's crippled people, were lame, were healed, and there was great joy in that city. I'm going to be honest. I read that scripture, read that scripture for the longest time. I thought, Lord, why? Why are there so many people in Samaria that are demon possessed? Philip goes down here to preach, preach to these folks. And the Bible says that many, there were many that were possessed and many devils came out. And, and on top of that, a lot of folks were sick and afflicted. And I thought, Lord, why? Why is that? Why are so many people so filled with demonic activity? And he shows us. Would you look at Acts chapter 8 and verse number 9? Here it is. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used, what did he use, church? He used sorcery. And bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, watch this, watch this, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. The word sorcery there, you check it out, don't take my word for it, study it out yourself. The word sorcery or sorceries in the Greek, which is what your New Testament was, was, was uh, uh, translated from, the word sorceries means this, to, pra to practice magical arts. So these people were demon-possessed because of this thing of sorcery. Now hang with me. I want you to turn over from the book of Acts to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number nine. Sorcery, sorcery. You say, well, preacher, we don't, we don't have that in 2021. <laughs> oh, yes, we do. There is a direct correlation between the Bible terms sorceries and drug use. Revelation nine, verse number 20. Don't forget now, we just said Acts chapter eight, that word means magical arts. 
Revelation 9, verse 20, and the rest of them which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. Well, this is an interesting line, that they should not worship devils. They're worshiping devils. And idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, neither can any, uh, neither, uh, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. In other words, they would not repent of their sorceries. We will not give them up. We will not give them up. The word sorceries in Revelation chapter 9 is the Greek word pharmakia. Pharmakia. We have a word we get from that in our English language. It's called pharmacy. It means medication. But listen, what I'm about to tell you. I'm just giving you the, I'm giving you the information. By extension, magical arts. The use or administering of drugs. Now you say, preacher, what, what, are you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that when you get involved in drugs and alcohol, it may seem innocent. Kids, somebody invites you to a party and it's a drinking party? No, sir. Nope. Not me. I don't want to be around a bunch of demons. Somebody invites you, and I understand this is a thing now, that we have what we're calling pill parties. If kids go to the medicine cabinets, they get all the uh, pills out of mom and dad's medicine cabinets, they bring them to the party, they all mix them in one bowl, they just mix them up like chips or something, and, and then you go to the party and you take a pill, you don't have any idea what it is, you just take the pill and hope it gives you a buzz. I'm thinking, what? Let me tell you, young people, if it doesn't give you a buzz, let me tell you what it does, does do. It opens a door. A door that God closed tight. God and, and those drugs and alcohol open that door and they allow these demons, they allow this demonic activity, they allow the devil to, to, to come into your life and, and to wreak havoc in your life and to bring destruction to your marriage and destruction to your kids and, and they allow uh, these uh, demonic spirits to come and to ruin your home and, and to rob you of your joy and your satisfaction and this is all I'm saying. It is time at Calvary Baptist Church that we take some inventory and go home and say, listen, this is going and this is going and this is going and this is out and this is out. You're not gonna be here any longer. I don't want the devil here. I want Jesus here. I want the power of God here. I want the blessing of God here. Oh, listen to me. If the chains are going to be broken, we're going to have to do these things. Now, we're way out of time. But I'm at least, I'm at least going to make mention of these last two. Number four, I noticed there was an astounding change. Flip back over to Mark chapter five real quick and I'm, I'm done. We're going to bring this to a close. Mark chapter five, verse number five, the Bible says about this demoniac. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. The other gospel says he was naked. But Mark five, verse 15, there's a change. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. Look at this, sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
I thought about that song that says, what a wonderful change. Oh, I wish I could sing it. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. There was a change that took place. You say, Pastor, I wish so bad these chains could break. Let me tell you something. Be willing to make a big change. Amen. I wish I'd come back just grab some of you. Be willing to make a big change. Be willing to get out of your comfort zone. Be, be willing to get out of the box. If you're doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And you've got to come to that place where you say, I'm going to make a change. I've never used the altar, but I'm going to use it today. I'm not saved, but I'm going to get saved today. I've needed to rededicate my life for the longest time, but I'm going to do it today. There was a man that was attending a church and he was, uh, he got saved. The man got legitimately saved. I believe he got born again, but he came from a lack of alcoholism and, and he would stumble, he would stumble and, and he felt so guilty and so, so bad about it. And he came to the preacher and he said, preacher, I don't know what's going on. He said, I prayed, I asked Jesus to save me. He said, I believe that God saved me, but he said, I, I'm, having a, I'm having a time. He said, I find myself stumbling. And the pastor said, brother, let's see if we can get you some help. This is back in the days of the horse-drawn buggy and horses. And, and the preacher said to this man, he said, when you come to church, he said, where are you hitching your mule at? He said, well, preacher, you go out of the church, you know, turn right and go down the street a little ways. And there's a block right there. And he said, I, there's a hitching post right there. So I, 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 I hitched my mule right there and I come to church. And the preacher said, man, that's the problem. He said, if you're hitching your mule there, don't you have to walk by that saloon every service? He said, yes, sir. He said, man, it's time to change your hitching post. And it could be there's some folks here this morning that need to change your hitching post. We're done. An attitude of gratitude. Mark 5, verse number 20, the Bible says, and he departed and began to publish into capitals how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Would y'all pray that God would give me my singing voice back? So I could sing this song. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. I don't worry when things go wrong. Jesus fills my heart with a song. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The chains can break today. We went way long today. If you're visiting here, I don't ever preach this long. But I believe this. I, I believe we're not here accidentally. Man, just as sure as I'm here, as sure as you're here, somebody needed a, a touch today. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. 
Lord, I hope I didn't come across as preaching this in the wrong way. I, it's not, I'm not mad at anybody except the devil. But I'm so tired of seeing lives ruined. I'm so sick of seeing homes broken up. I'm not mad at anybody. It's just that I feel so passionate about what I'm preaching today. Oh God, don't let the devil get another one. Lord, don't let the devil get another home. Father, don't let the devil get another marriage. God, there's someone here today. They've been on that cycle. Can't seem to get off. Can't seem to stop. God, I pray today that you'd break the chains. I pray that you'd put them on a new path. I pray you'd save souls. And I pray that you'd encourage hearts and help folks to realize there is hope. There is hope. Mel Trotter didn't think there was any hope left. But God saved him, changed him. There's hope. There's hope. That hope's in Jesus. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Can I ask a question or two? I wonder how many are here today you'd say, preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt that I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven. And here's my hand as a glorious testimony. If you can say that, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and you can take it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm not going to embarrass anybody but I'd like to pray. I wonder how many may be here today you'd say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. I want to raise it. Preacher, I want to go to heaven, but I don't know for sure that I'm going. Would you remember me? Right now, you'd slip your hand up and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to be honest right now. Pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure that I would go. Pray for me. Pray for me. You'd raise your hand up right now. Pray for me. I see that hand. Is there one more anywhere across the auditorium, preacher? If I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Is there one anywhere, anywhere? If you're watching the live stream, and you don't know Christ as Savior, I want to encourage you right now, call that number on the screen. Call that number right now. We have folks standing by that want to pray with you and help you. I'm going to pray for this one. Without anybody looking today, nobody's, nobody's looking. I wonder how many are here today would say, preacher, Pray for me. I need the cycle to stop. There's just something going on in my life and I, I need it. I need the chain broke. I need it broken. God knows what it is. God knows what it's about. But please pray for me. Pray for me. Right now, you slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Yes, 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 yes. A lot of hands. Hands everywhere. Amen, amen, amen. Would you stand with us this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ, 
Listen, the altars are open. I'm going to ask our personal workers to make their way to the front. We've got folks up here that would love to pray with you today. And so if you've got a burden or a need, any kind of need at all, I want you to come. I want you to come. We'd love to take God's word and try to give you some comfort and give you some help today. All right? So you come today. Maybe it's time to rededicate. Maybe you've uh, been away for long enough. Today you'd say, I'm coming back. I'm coming home. Maybe there's somebody here this morning and you've been discouraged. You've been fighting this thing of discouragement. Today, maybe you need to come and say, God, break the chain. Break the chain. Break the chain. God, help me to have joy. Help me to have joy, contentment. Father, I pray right now that you'd work in this invitation and you're working and I'm thankful for that. Father, I pray that no one would go away not having made that decision they need to make. Thank you for giving us a clear understanding of what we need to do. Thank you for your precious word. Bless those that are watching by way of the live stream today. Work in their lives, I pray. Thank you for all those that have already made their way to the altar. Father, continue to work now, please. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a, for a moment. And we'll sing in a minute, maybe. We have some folks at the front would love to offer you a handshake and, and pray with you today. Pastor, I need a breakthrough. I need it desperately. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Folks are getting some help right now. Why don't you come? While we wait. This one that raised their hand, we're rooting for you. We want you to be saved. Lord, save them. Lord, save them. Would you come while we wait? Calvary, we need some prayer warriors praying right now. Hey, is there anything that you need to go home and take inventory of? Maybe you've been exposing the kids to some things and today you'd say, boy, that's, that's changing. We're going home. We're making some changes. I want the blessing of God and the touch of God in our home. If you need prayer, the altar's open. You come. While we wait, you come today. sing this chorus I think most of you know this it's a song that says have thine own way Lord have thine own way man it's a great 
great prayer to pray today. And I want you to sing it with us today. Let's sing it like a congregation today. Ready? Jeremiah the prophet and said, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And the Bible says that Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and there was a vessel on the wheel, but it was marred. It was a mess. You know, the great thing about that reference or that passage is the Bible says the potter made it a new vessel as seemed good to the master. <laughs> You're here today. That's what that song's talking about. You're here today. You say, Preacher, my life is a mess. Well, great news. I know the potter. And he can take your life that might be messed up and he can make it new. Amen. Let's sing it together. Have thine own way. Just come see us after the service. I'll ask our altar workers if they'll just stay up here just for a moment or so after the service. And if you're here today and you've got a need, just make your way down here, one of these fellows, and we would love to pray with you. We'd love to help you today. Well, it's been a good service. And listen, I hope you have a great afternoon. 
And we'll look forward to seeing you tonight. Lord willing, if the Lord will let us tonight, Lord willing, I'm going to bring my family conference message tonight. And, and so it'll be a good, a good emphasis on the home this evening. So I hope that um, everyone will be in your places. Amen. Brother Lenny, come on up. I'm going to let you dismiss us in prayer. And uh, all listen, have a great day. Have a great day. If you've got a need, find one of these personal workers up here today. All right? You do that. Father, we thank you this morning for the message from the Word of God. Lord, how realistic to know, God, that there are things going on in this world like the story in the Word of God this morning. And I pray now, Father, that you bless the rest of our day. Help us, God, to be mindful of the fact Jesus could come before we make it back to the evening service. But, Father, if you make it possible, help us, God, to find our way back this evening. May your will be done throughout the rest of this day. We'll do our best to praise you in Christ's name. And for his sake we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We consider it an honor to serve you. And our prayer is that the service was a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you were impacted today by the preaching of God's Word, we encourage you to respond. If we can pray with you, or if you would like to make a decision today for Christ, please call us here at 704-327-5662. We have people waiting right now on the lines prepared to help you. Again, thank you for joining us today, and we hope to welcome you again soon. Have a wonderful week.